All right, we should be working now. Thank you all for uh, hanging with me, and we had some internet issues. We're at a hotel in Missouri right now, and so, yeah. Anyway, but I think we're back at it. So, welcome, everybody, to the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. I am your teacher of the mysteries and preacher of the heart. Marty leads... Oh, would you sorry, shut him no, off? Sorry. My Lord. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. We do service every Sunday at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, even if I have an allergic outbreak. So we were cleaning up. We were down in Missouri right now, and we're cleaning up our property and clearing it and all this other stuff. And I'm going to show you just some just some video quick. This is our property in Missouri, and we're, we're down here for about five days just... Um, weed whacking and cleaning up and stuff like that and we were just in that shed right there which is about I don't know it probably hasn't been cleaned out in 30 years or something so we were cleaning that yesterday and let's just say a lot of dust so I had this crazy allergic reaction I had my eyes were like out to here this morning so I had I had beer <laughs> and beer cans on my eyes this morning like this so if I look all puffed out it's because, no, I'm not on crack or anything like that. But we did clean a crack house yesterday. So just allergic reaction. So there's our property now. And what you can see there is that right there. I'll go back here. This is uh, parking. That's camping. Parking is what that is right there. And so this is what it looks like now. So there's the shed. And we cleaned that out yesterday. And it was an unbelievable mess. So I was just inhaling dust. And we, we had masks on. We got our boosters and everything so a uh, ton of work in the last few days but it's all looking really really good so we can't wait um, for you guys to come and enjoy yourselves so uh, yeah we got all the stuff cleared out we got the uh, cistern cleared out so we're gonna have water and all of that sort of stuff so it's a beautiful piece of property and save for that shed but that's just gonna that's just gonna house some some aminals so, and then, yeah, this was the shed that we cleaned out. So we filled that, pretty much filled that dumpster. We got to go back and still, you know, but you can see what we were cleaning out yesterday. Absolute mess. Some guy was just in there like drinking beer and smoking crack for like 30 years or something. <laughs> anyway, so, so if I'm looking a little puffy, that's, that's the reason. So, but you know what? We got a church service to do, so we got to do it. So, okay, we're going to do um, <clears throat> Matthew chapter 15 today the blind leaders of the blind is what we're going to do but before we get into that we're going to do a prayer okay um and let me just say this the next couple weeks i think we're going to get off the bible for a little bit i think we're going to do some other things i've got the ojibwe story of creation that i want to do and then there's another one i'm not going to say too much about that but another one lecture that i'm looking at doing um just to kind of get off the bible stuff for a while and then we'll get back into the book of matthew so maybe the next week or two we'll do something a little bit different but for now it is chapter 15. But So before we get into that, let's do a prayer and let's march forward. O Almighty God, who by thy blessed Son didst call Matthew from the receipt of custom to be an apostle and evangelist, grant us grace to forsake all covet covetous desires and inordinate love of riches, and to follow the same thy Son, Jesus Christ, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, one God, world without end. Amen. All right, thank you. Okay, um, let's just jump into it. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff today. There's some obscure stuff here. We're going to do some geometry. There's a, a star study. There's a lot going on in this chapter, um, even though it is a pretty short chapter. So let's launch into it. Chapter 15, numero uno. Here we go. And what, what do you think? What do you think they start out with in this chapter? Oh, it's Jesus calling out the Jews again. Who'd have thunk? Who'd have thunk? 
<laughs> so then came to um, Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, comma, 15.2, why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. Jesus replies, and he answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. Let's just stop right there. First and foremost, I just want to say this because we've, we've come across this numerous, numerous times. I don't think I've ever actually shown you guys the definition of what, just your classic definition of what a scribe and Pharisee is, okay? So when we say, hey, Jesus is calling out these people that are the chosen ones, that think that they're literally the supremacist, religiously, spiritually, racially supremacist, okay? This is what we're saying. That's what the definition says too, okay? So let's look at scribes and Pharisees. A scribe, of course, as we talked about, is somebody who scribbles, who scribes the Torah, an ancient Jewish record keeper or later a professional theologian. Another term for scriber. What is a Pharisee? What is the definition of Pharisee? A member of an ancient Jewish sect distinguished by strict observance of the traditional and written law and commonly held to have pretensions to superior sanctity. A self-righteous person, a hypocrite. <laughs> That's just the definitions. So you don't even need to take Jesus's word for it. You just need to go and look up and it's like, oh, so they're religious supremacists and they're hypocrites and they're self-righteous and they have pretensions and they superior sanctity. So they're, they're full of shit, in other words. Okay, cool. I'm glad we have a definition for that. So that's the definition of your Jew for you right there. Okay? So every time that we, you know, uh, you know, mention that we come across these people in the Bible, that's exactly what the Bible is referring to. Once again, we just started this chapter. We've been through 14 chapters of Matthew. We've already done the entire book of Mark. And how many times, how many times and how many chapters and how many verses is the Bible going to come out and just absolutely lambast the Jews? And as I'll say once again, can you find me another church that just simply reads their Bible and points that simple fact out? But he answered and said to them, why do you also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? So here the Jews, these scribes and Pharisees are coming up being like, you're a hypocrite. And by very definition, they're actually the hypocrites. And he just turns around and be like, you're claiming that we're transgressing the tradition, but really your entire understanding and how you actually practice your religion is a transgression from God, as we know it is. Once again, did this happen 2,000 years ago? No, it's happening right here and now. All of this. All of it. For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father and mother, let him die the death. And then the Jews come up and say, Oh, oh, but, but what about us? But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father and mother, It is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me. If when you get things from me, your, your, you know, your, your wisdom and your knowledge and things like that, and you profit, it's like you have to come and suck, suck up to me and be like, Oh, look at you, rabbi, rabbi. What do you think Jesus' reply to that is? Ah, uh, let's keep going here. And honor, and then it says, and honor not his father or mother, he shall be free. Thus ye have made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. How they're, it doesn't matter what's written in your book or what, what magic you received from on high from freaking Moses or whatever, you're not living it. Everything you're doing is hypocritical. Everything you're doing is you know, this this self-righteous, once again, sanctimonious kind of thing. 
everything that you're claiming that we have the one true way, it doesn't matter because you're not living it. This is the depth. This is the difference between what, what at least what I see as like a true religious or spiritual person or a, a truth seeker or a Christian in the sense is you have to live the things that you you talk about, right? If you're just you know, it's just a small mouth noises that are leaving your freaking pie hole here and they're just empty words, it doesn't mean anything. And that's exactly what he's saying. You have to live the things that you preach. You have to walk the walk and talk the talk. Well, what he's saying is, and we've had at least allegedly 2,000 years of a bunch of Jews walking the walk, but or, you know, talking the talk, but not walking anything. Not, you know, not, not actually living in spirit. Another, th another thing I want to say here, um, We'll say this in just a second, but Jennifer and I, just a few weekends ago, we were in Peoria, Illinois, and we went to this ma this Catholic mass. It was St. Mary's St. Mary's Cathedral in Peoria, and it's this beautiful cathedral, really nice. And we went into the mass, and you know, we didn't participate in the mass. We were just kind of looking at the cathedral because it was really nice. And and the mass that was going on, Jennifer, we were just sitting there watching it, and Jennifer just looks over to, at me, and she's like, at this completely lifeless service, right? They're just like, oh, take the, the Lord thy God is the Father, and do the things that I do, and say the things that I say, and everybody says, there's just the, no life to it whatsoever, right? And Jennifer turns to me, and she's like, this is insane. This is insane. Why? Because those people are just... They're just reading things. They're just like, you know, it's they're not living the 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 spiritual life. You know, it's it's a it's a cop out in, in many respects, right? This is what Jesus is saying about their entire tradition. We don't have to actually the point is this. Sorry, let me get my head together here. The point is is that this is not just like some Judaic thing. The same issue is happening in Christianity today. Ye hypocrites, he goes on to say in 15.7, Well did Esaias prophesy of you, saying, These people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. As you know, he says, Ye hip hypocrites, this is what Jesus constantly calls them throughout the entire you know, New Testament. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, hypocrites. We've taught, you know, Matthew 23, Matthew 6. This is all just in Matthew, mind you. This is the stuff we've, you know, some of this we've already covered. Ah, as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues. Okay. This people draw nigh, this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips. This is what all of those people were doing in that church. Forget about the scribes and the Pharisees right now. We went to a Catholic service. There was a bunch of people sitting in those pews, and they were saying the words, and they were moving their lips, but there was no, there was no spirit there. Okay? Why? Well, the next line tells you why there's no spirit there and why there's spirit in this church. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines. What is a doctrine? A doc? What is a, a, what's the trine? It's three, right? Okay. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Most Christians pretty much across the board today understand the Bible through the commandments of men. They understand their religion through the commandments of men. Not only that, they'll go and brag about that with apostolic succession and that sort of stuff. They understand their religion, their connection to God, Christ himself. They understand all of that, not through their own heart, not through their own mind and that, that God has given them, not by actually studying scripture and trying to understand what it means. How have they enveloped their Christianity? How, how, have that, how is uh, Christianity practiced in their life? 
through the commandments of men, not of God. Then yes. The video is glitchy. The video is that's gonna work let's just try that let's just see if it keeps going we might just had an issue there and there here and there it looks like it's okay yeah yeah well, so thank you anyway yes churchianity um just let me just let me know if it keeps going we'll we'll stop this and i'll uh we'll, we'll do one tonight or something like that so it's not bad sound is good but it's okay okay that's fine it's just a little glitch here and there i don't look good anyway this morning so what do you need so Churchianity, that's exactly what it is. And this is why when people, you know, not to pat ourselves on the back or anything like that, but when people come to this church and they actually uh, actually start reading the Bible and actually start understanding all of this anagogic mystery in it, and it's like, it's, it's like, oh my, finally, thank God, somebody's actually explaining this and actually making sense of it. The people that reject what we do here, why do they reject it? Why do they have to reject it? Because they have to reject it because they have to follow those commandments of men that said, no astrology bad, no numerology bad. Didn't you hear all the smart people on the internet and all the theologians and all the philosophers said the gematria is retarded? They follow the commandments of men. We don't do that. We don't do that here. 1510, and he called the multitude and said unto them, hear and understand. We're going to look at this word understand a second, just in, in here, just a second. Gnostics put their trust in God, not man. This is, once again, we've talked about this numerous, numerous times. It's the center verse of the Bible. And what is the center verse of the Bible? It says, it says to be, it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. This, these are the center verses of the Bible. What is it saying? It isn't to say that you can't, don't listen to your pastor or preacher or minister or anything like that. It's that you don't put your total faith and confidence in that dude to bring you home. God, put, God has given you everything that you need to figure that out for yourself. And this is what we teach here. Everything in our sky, everything that's right in front of you, you're into this, know thyself, this temple, right? It's to know it. And God has given you everything you need in order to, to, to figure out your world in this sense, okay? <clears throat> Let's look at this word understand, because there's a lot of people that, and I'm, I'm going to address this here. And he called the multitude and said unto them, hear and understand, he says. Hear, what, is it, what are they hearing? The word, of course. Then he says understand, and he'll mention it several times here. Um, a lot of people have used this thing, and I forget who the guy is by. Seven Bomar, I think is what he, he came up with this sort of like understand. I don't understand because I don't stand under authority. I understand. I do this sort of thing. And I got to say, this has always annoyed the shit out of me. Never really brought it up, but I am today. That's retarded. No, you don't understand. You understand. You understand because you do stand under something. And that's God's authority always. You, when we, they, why do I say this? The English language is a, is a beautiful medium in which to transmit the mysteries, okay? 
which means before we start making up a bunch of words and that sort of stuff and saying, well, this word is not good enough, I'm gonna make, we really need to understand our language, okay? So this is something I've said for the longest time. Yes, of course, we go in to do the inner work and so we understand this sort of thing, but understand, what does understand mean? You need to understand what you're standing under, and that's the heavens above, and what's under what you're standing on. And what's that? That's earth. So the word understand, there's nothing wrong with that word whatsoever. No, you want to understand because you want to, you need to understand what you're standing under, which is the heavens above, and what you're and what's under what you're standing on. That's earth. That's the heaven and earth. That is the spiritual and the material realms that's mentioned in Genesis 1.1. So no, you don't understand. You understand. That's what you do. And Jesus is going to mention this. So then he says this 1511. Now that which, not that which goeth into the mouth defile a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defile a man. I think, I think we pretty much know what that means, right? 1512. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest, knowest, no. Thou, that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying. Why were they offended? Well, duh, obviously. Because what, what, what goes out of their mouth all the time? They're always talking about how much better they are than everybody. What's actually in their heart? Wickedness, vile, malicious. Literally thinking people are animals that are not of their, of their ilk, of their race, of their tribe. 1513, he says, but he answered and said, every plant which my heavenly father hath not planted shall be rooted up. What a great line. Everything, in this sense, okay, this is obviously parabolic and metaphoric and that sort of stuff, right? When you just like, it's, it's, it's another way of saying that, hey, every tree, if it doesn't bring up good fruit, God's going to rip that up, right? It's, I mean, I, th I think it's pretty easily understood that when you say when you root yourself when you plant yourself in this world into the things that you do what do you have to do it with the totality of god which is all the things that we always talk about integrity honesty dignity you know compassion all of that sort of stuff if you don't plant if you don't root yourself in those things the heavenly father's because it's nonsense it's weeds that need to get out of that garden let them alone this is a there's some good advice 15, 14, what, who, is he saying to, who is he saying this to? All the people that defile by what they say out of their mouth, all the scribes and the Pharisees, all the people that are living in vain, their religion and their spirituality in vain. What does he say? Let them alone, leave them be. Why? Well, because God's gonna take care of this stuff. Remember when we, we just covered the fact that it was like, oh, well, what about the tares and the wheat? They're gonna grow up together and then don't go and tear them out because you might pull out the good wheat. Who's gonna take care of it at the end? God, when the harvest comes. So what do you have to do? What's, what, what do you have to concern yourself with? Purifying this, becoming the light, becoming the candle to light all the other lights, right? To that sort of thing. You wanna purify this temple right here. And this is exactly what he's gonna lead into. Uh, let them alone, they be blind leaders of the blind and if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. This is what's going on in our world today with modern Christianity too. It's blind leaders of the blind. It's like, oh, I go to Pastor Bob over here and he reads in the scripture and what is he doing? He's just regurgitating the commandments of men that he learned from his papa and his papa before that. It's blind leading the blind. And where are they gonna fall? Into the ditch. 
Then answered Peter, who's Peter? And said unto him, Declare unto this, unto us this parable. Jesus, give us a parable. And what's the parable that he gives? Oh, well, actually, you know what? Let me stop this. Let me say a few things here quick before we get before we go on. Not that which goeth into the mouth defile a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defile a man. Not that which goeth into the mouth defile a man, but that which cometh out of the out of the mouth, this defile a man. What is the gematria total there? I'm just going to mention this and then we'll be back to it. It's 396. This is a pretty important verse within this whole chapter, correct? I mean, it's a pretty famous one too. There it is. That equals 396. Does everybody get that? Hold that in your head because we'll be revisiting it because they're going to mention this number in a completely different context in this chapter. Okay? Purifying the heart is what this whole thing is about. And this is what the next line will be. Peter's is saying, hey, Jesus, give us a parable, and this is what the next parable is going to be. It's all about purification of your heart. This is what the whole thing is about. Always. What do you think the Egyptians were doing? <clears throat> right? The weighing of the heart ceremony. We'll revisit this again because we're going to get back to that heart. But I just want to show you. This is some pictures that we took in Germany while we were there. Peter says, Jesus, give us a parable. And Jesus said, 15, 16, Are ye also yet without understanding? Do you not understand? Do you not understand what you're standing under? What you're, what's under what you're standing on? The heaven and the earth, you don't understand? That you're the, con you're the confluence of those two things? That you're the, you're the marriage of spirit and matter? Then he, then he asks it again. 15, 17. Do not yet ye yet understand? Now he gives an unbelievably cryptic statement in which, I've once again, this is one of those things that I've never seen anybody even come close to giving an explanation for it. We will do it here. And it's this, okay? And we covered this in Mark, and we'll show it again. Do not, yet, do not ye yet understand, comma, that whatsoever enter in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out in the draft. And then it goes on to say once more, but those things which proceedeth out of the mouth come forth from the heart and they defile a man. Purification of the heart is what this is all about. Okay, so I'm going to say that. Now let's go back. What the what the hell is he talking about here? Do do not ye yet understand that whatsoever whatsoever entereth in at the mouth, go into the belly, and his cat. What is he saying here? Okay, this is a reference to another um, another verse. So whenever you have the four gospels, right, you'll have you know stories or they'll have parables and things like that, and you need to look at this parable in in the other. Um, the other books in order to truly understand the parable. That's the point. It's like you'll he'll give a parable here and then it'll be it's almost the same thing, but it'll be in different words, that sort of thing. So the so the the Bible actually requires you to cross-reference the different chapters in order to, you know, different books in order to understand exactly what he's saying. So the first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna find out that what he's referencing here is the four fixed signs. This is exact and it's unbelievably cryptic. And I'll go over this. And he's referencing the four fixed signs, which is what? It's the tetramorph. It's what we've, we've talked about numerous, numerous times. It's the four Gospels. It's Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. Okay? In Mark, we covered that. And this is how we said it in Mark, okay? 
This is how he said in Mark. Because it entereth not into his heart, didn't go into the heart, but into the belly, and goeth out into the draft, purging all meats. So basically, the same sort of thing, giving different verbiage and that sort of thing in a different book, same parable, okay? Let's read it again. It entereth not into his heart, it didn't go into that pure vessel of the heart, but it into his belly and goeth out into the draft, purging all meats. That's what he said. This is how the parable is given in this chapter. Uh, uh, do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the draft. Okay, let's explain all of this now. Okay, first off, what is the draft? The dra all of, once again, ex uh, extremely specific language being used here to make these connections. The noun draft is pronounced exactly like draft, just like a draft beer, right? And it also shares some of the same meanings. It's a cold burst of wind, a swig or serving of a drink, the act of pulling a heavy load, and the depth of a ship below the surface of water. All of these can be called a draft. There's also a thing called a draft house. Okay, a draft house is, is literally, it's literally called a water house, right? That's what it's called, a water house, draft house. Draft is also denoting an animal used for pulling heavy loads. Well, what would the animal be that's used for pulling heavy loads in this parable? It's the ox, it's the taurus, it's the draft, okay? So once again, we're going to purge all this stuff, purging all the meats, we're going in, we're trying to purify the heart, okay? This is the parable. So there's your Taurus. There's your draft. This is draft is also what? It's a latrine or a toilet. It's called a water house. A draft house, it's also known as a Mishnah or a water house. Okay. Well, we've got Taurus, right? Which is what? Taurus is your neck here. Okay, so wait a second. So things are going to go into the pie hole, your mouth. That's your pie hole. What is pay in Hebrew? Mouth. It's going to go through here, right? It's going to go through your draft, your ox, and your Taurus. It's going to go into your belly. What's your belly? We'll get there. And then it's going to purge. As it said, purging all meats. When you purge something, what do you do? You either shit it out or you puke it up, correct? When you purge something. What is it? When you purge something, what are you doing? You're getting rid of toxins. You're getting rid of all this other stuff, which means what are you doing? You're purifying, correct? That's what happens when you purge something, purging all meats. So you've got the draft oxen, the taurus, and then you've got what? Your Aquarius, which is your draft house, which is what? Your latrine or your toilet or your water house, your Aquarius. So the two references to draft there. Now let's go back. So this is the original one because it entereth not into his heart, didn't go into here, into his belly and goeth out into the draft, purging. When you purge, what do you do? You either throw up or you shit out, which is what? Your Taurus, your water house, what's this? You're going into your Virgo, your belly, right? Your Virgo is your, your abdomen, your intestines, your gallbladder, your pancreas, your liver. It purifies, right? That sort of thing, okay? So it goes into, it's saying it goes into your belly. What's the, now when we look at this though, what is the, the belly of the, the um, we've talked about this numerous, numerous times. Scorpio and um, Sagittarius point to what would be the center of the Milky Way, which is like this big, huge bulge or belly in the center of the galaxy. Okay, so we're saying it's going into the belly, going into the belly where? Going into the center of where? We're looking at the center of the heart here to purify. What is this Scorpio pointing to? The belly of the center of the Milky Way. Okay, so you've got the Scorpio here. Taurus, draft, water house, draft, Scorpio being your belly. Now, 
Let's, um, I'll show this in just a second. So there's your four fixed signs. Once again, the Cor uh, Scorpio, Aquarius, Leo, and Taurus. What is Leo? It's the heart. What do we have to do here? You're, you're purifying the heart. So let's take a step back here and let's look at this unbelievably cryptic statement. Do not yet, do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth into the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the draft. Or in other words, there's another way of saying this because it entereth not into his heart, didn't go into his heart, but into the belly and goeth out into the draft purging all meats. This is your four fixed signs. What's the, what's the belly of the Milky Way? It's your Scorpio. What is that? That's right here, right? Where's your Leo? It's your heart. Where's the draft oxen? It's here. And where's the draft? It's the waterhouse. So all of these things are trying to tell you about what? The four fixed signs of the Zodiac, which is exactly what the four books of the gospel are. Once again, we covered all of this in Mark, if you want to double check all of this again. But ultimately, it's talking about the exact same thing he was talking about before. Purifying your heart. You want a pure, completely pure heart. Once again, earth is an anagram for heart. You know, it's like one of these things, it's like, oh, what are we here, once again, what are we here to do on earth? Seems like whoever came up with the term earth had some ideas about that. Once again, what is, what is the whole of Christianity? At the end of the day, what's it all about? The sacred heart of Jesus. At the end of the day, what's Egyptology all about? Weighing that heart. It's got to be as light as a feather. It's pure light. But those things which proceedeth, 15, 8, 18, but those things which proceedeth out of the mouth come forth from the heart and they defile a man. He was saying you purify the heart. When you, when you purify the heart, what comes out? Pure light, that sort of thing, right? If it doesn't, then what? It's showing that your heart is impure, which means you ain't getting into eternal life. Then it says this, 1519, For out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. 1520, These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defile not a man. Okay, what, what is he saying here? He's telling you specifically where evil comes from. And it's exactly in line with what us Gnostics teach here. For out of the heart, where does evil come from? The Demiurge is a metaphysical being that somehow tricked God and then made earth and then is punishing everybody and screwing with people. The de you know, there's like, there's this some demonic force that's always at, is always at odds with God and is always playing this mean game of chess with God. And no, no, where does evil come from? Just as we teach, just as the Bible says, it comes from within man. We are given the choice to either go towards the will of God, have our, have our plants rooted in God, or they'll be ripped out, in other words. So where does evil come from? It says right here, for out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. It's the demiurge. It's the demiurge. And what is the demiurge? As we've covered, the demiurge, the, the word demiurge means a public or skilled worker, worker of the people. Demotic means common people. 
Ergon, which means work. Demi means half size, partially in an inferior degree. So in other words, we're made in the image of God. So we're like a half size of God. We're like a fractal of God. And Demiurge literally means public or skilled worker. The one who exercises a work, assistant, a server of work, carpenter, an ironsmith, a surgeon, a dramatist. There are many examples of what the Demiurge means. As we're saying, when we understand Gnostically, what is the, de de what is the Demiurge actually? The Demiurge is within us. We are the ones that create the fornications and the adulteries and, the, and everything else. The thefts, the false witness, the blasphemies. Where does that come? Where does that come from? It comes from the heart and mind of man. This is exactly what we've been saying. This is exactly what the Bible says. And then when we go and actually do the etymology and understand the esoteric nature of the Demiurge, it's exactly what the Demiurge says as well. Hence why I get so frustrated when I see people that, Gnostics, that constantly push the Demiurge idea and they make it this metaphysical being that's created our reality. Bullshit. Bullshit. Just look up the word, look up the etymology, and then read your Bible. These are the things which defile a man. What you actually think, what you actually think with your heart, how you look on the world, what actually comes out of your mouth, and how you treat people, that's what defile a man. That's what defiles a man. Not whether you wash your fucking hands or not. The Jews are coming along being like, well, you got to wash your hands. Meanwhile, you're wicked and evil in your heart. And we see it. And God sees it, of course. Once again, why did God make earth? How can God's creation be perfect if there's evil? Because evil has a purpose. What is that purpose? God did not create evil. God, no part of God is evil. God has allowed evil to exist by giving man the choice of the free will. Why? So that he could have the greatest adventure ever. Only God's chosen people, his elect, the royal and divine, made in his image, get the chance to experience the greatest drama ever conceived, which is what you're living right now. And we get a choice to either root ourselves in God or not. And where does that evil come from? It comes from us. We have the ability to shut it down, tell that devil to go F himself, or bring it to life. We are the Demiurge. So God is like saying, hey, it matters how you act, what actually comes out of your heart, that sort of thing. It doesn't matter about a bunch of stupid-ass Jewish rituals. It's got nothing to do with it. Literally none. Now, these people all think, well, if I swing this chicken around and if I put my sins in the chicken and swing it around, or maybe if I just do some oral circumcision on this little baby, then God's going to love me. No, you're wicked and cruel and malicious and villainous, and you're full of fornications and thefts and murderers, just like your father. So none of this stuff is not going to get any of these people into heaven, according to our Lord and Savior. Then Jesus went thence, 1521, and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. Where's Tyre and Sidon? Well, let's figure this out. Um, let's read, we'll read on and then we'll go back. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Got a daughter vexed with the devil. I think we've seen this one before. But he answered her not a word. 
And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. What is, so this woman comes up, like, my daughter's got a devil. Jesus, can you come save, you know, help her? And he says nothing. He's like, no, right? Doesn't say even a word to her. What's he doing right now? Jesus, this is the scene, actually. Jesus is testing this this Canaanite woman's faith, as we'll, we'll see. We're seeing how actually dedicated she is to truth. Okay? So, um, now let's go back. And then we'll take this apart. Okay, so the Jesus went and he departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. What's Tyre and Sidon? Once again, giving you specific names so that you can look up the etymology, what the word means and that sort of thing so you can make the appropriate connections, right? What is Tyre? Tyre is uh, basically signifies a rock. It's a strong city, okay? There it is. And then, and so um, what does Sidon mean? Sidon means it's a fishery or it's a hunting place. Comes from the, the the verb to hunt or to fish. It's also related to Bethsaida, which means a hunting place as well. Okay, so what we're going to see is well, Tyre is a is a rock or a stone, and as we're going to see, that Tyre is the gem in I. The gem is a precious stone in I. That's what it is. Literally, phonetically, gem in I. Okay, so it's a precious stone. Tyre is a rock. What would be the hunting place? Is there a hunter in the heavens at all? would be Orion. That would be Orion. Okay, so basically they're coming out of the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. Sidon is the hunter, hunting place, which is Orion. The rock is the Gemini. Precious stone in I. Now, it's interesting because we covered this just in the Tuesdays with Marty a bit ago, but um, what, they're, what you're showing there is you see Orion there. You see the bottom of Orion's like his whatever his what do you think what is that thing called what is that thing called the bottom of the girdle. girdle thank you the bottom of his girdle actually so what you're looking at here is what's called the winter hexagon okay the hexag hexagon it's a gram so the the bottom of orion's girdle actually forms part of this hexagon and it's actually the it's actually the stars sirius procyron polox capella aldebaran and regal and this is what forms this hexagon. It's called the winter hexagon. Well, the two constellations that actually help form, or two of the main constellations that help form this, is the Gemini, the Tyre, and the hunting place, which is Sidon. Now, once again, I showed this. There's your winter hexagon right there. There's your six stars that form it. There's Gemini. There's Orion. This is something I, I showed. So look at Orion. He's He's got like his sword, like it's up like this. He's got like his shield and sword. It depends on how it's, you know, illustrated or whatever. And then look at his, his the top of his, she, his sword is like touching the center of that hexagon. Pretty close, right? Okay. Those six stars, Sirius, Procyron, Polox, Capella, Aldebaran, and Regal, in English Gematria equal 132. Sirius, Procyron, Polox, Capella, Aldebaran, Regal. Everybody can see that. If you break those numbers down, you can see there, 33 is 6, 18 is 9, 18 is 9, 17 is 8, 22 is 4, and 24 is 6. Just add those together. You add all those, it equals 42. So the English Gematria value of those six stars forming the hexagram, which reduces down to 6, equals 132. 132 divided by 42, the two numbers that you get from those six stars, equals 3.142. So Tyre and Sidon from the coast are specifically talking about this area in the sky, which just happens to encode pi. Now, 
Okay, we deal with pi quite a lot, but you know what else we deal with a lot? Is six around one. In fact, we've just talked about it in the last like how many live streams? We talked about the fact that what? Where's the Sabbath? Where's the Sabbath? It's the seventh day, which is what? It's exactly where Orion is striking. In the center. Then we talked about, oh, we got to place that seed into the good ground, right? We got to place the seed in the good ground and that whole parable of the sower. We'll revisit that again in this chapter. Where do you put that? In the center. And then what is that center? It represents what? Christ within, which is what mathematically? What? Pi. So I just want to, once again, not to toot our own horn here, but toot toot. We've been talking about this shit for a decade. These exact same concepts. Again and again and again and again. Six around one, six around one. Here it is. Here's the chi row. Oh, here's here's all these different places. The Freemason compass and square. The seed of life. The you know all of these things. Here it is in the stars. And where's the Bible pointing to? That place right there, Tyre and Sidon. Heavenly ideas are encoded in the heavens. Is all we're saying. Okay. That's all we're saying. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Once again, you remember we talked about, I think this last live stream, we talked about the fact that the heavenly fatherly patterns of the stars, they'll use them again and again and again. Go to this biblical story, they'll use it. Next chapter, they'll use it again. Next chapter, they'll use it again. How many times have we visited the ship? How many times have we, you know, have we visited Aries and all that other stuff, right? Same thing is going on here. So who's the daughter? Who's the devil? Who's the woman of Canaan? I think if you guys have been following along, you already know who all this is. It's the exact same thing we just talked about last live stream. It was like Herodias and Herod and then the daughter and then chopped St. John's head off and we figured out where all that was. Guess what they're doing again? Same shit. It's like they're not even, it's not even that creative anymore, right? So who's the daughter that's vexed with the devil? Well, that's the Andromeda right there. Who's the devil? Well, that's, of course, Draco right there. And who's the woman? Well, that's Cassiopeia. Just yet another way of showing you the exact same thing. But he answered her not a word. He's testing her faith. And this disciples came and besought him, saying, send her away, for she crieth after us. 1524, but he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Again, who did he come for? We, <laughs> Jesus came specifically what? I, you know, oh, he's going to, remember, he's going to ordain the 12 disciples. He's going to get them all together. And then he's like, hey, don't worry about the Gentiles or the law or the, or the good Samaritans. Don't worry about any of those. Go to all the Jews. Why? Because they're the, they're the scribes and the Pharisees. They're the hypocrites. They're the ones that need Jesus' teaching the most. Who did he show up for? To call out Jews. It's like the whole freaking book. How is this missed? It's in, how is it missed? <laughs> then uh, came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. She's showing her faith. She's showing that I am dedicated to Christ. I am dedicated to the way, the truth, and the life. Then he says this, once again, unbelievably parabolic, unbelievably cryptic. What the hell are you talking about, Jesus? 
But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to the dogs. What? What? Huh? Then he goes on and says this. And she said, uh, and she said, Truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. What? So then he, then he says this, and we'll cover this. Then he says, 1528, Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. You showed your faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. We'll go back and deal with the dogs and the table and all that in just a second. But so after this devil, was, this daughter was vexed with the devil, which is Draco, he comes over and then heals her and made her whole. We, have, we just covered this once again. They're using the exact same thing. Whole means the all or of entirety of. It's a complete thing in and of itself. What is whole equal in English gematria? 19. Whole, 19. Made her whole. And what is 19? 0 through 19, as you can see down the bottom there. 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. 19 is of adjustment system. Adding 0 through 19 equals 190. And what was 190? It was the answer to the parable, the parable of the sower. Once again, what was it pointing to? You. Okay. So, made her whole. Now let's go back. And let's make sense of this mess. It is not me to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And then it says this. And she said, truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. It's two lines, and then that's it. What the hell does that mean? Once again, it's it's a draft house, purge belly thing. It's like, what the hell does that mean? Once again, constellational. Okay, what's the table? There's the dogs that are under the table. Okay, and then they get the bread that's under the table, right? So what is the table? What's well, the constellation Mensa? Mensa is a constellation in the southern celestial hemisphere near the, near the south celestial pole. And it is um, originally commemorated as Table Mountain. Table Mountain. It's a table is what it is. Okay. So then we have, um, so there's Mensa. You can see right there, there's the southern, on the top left there, there's the southern celestial hemisphere. Table, Mensa. Now there's dogs that are under this table that are going to get cast meat or bread to the dogs, excuse me. And that's the parable. It's like, wait, what does that mean? So who are the dogs? Well, of course, when we look at constellationally, who are the dogs? Little dog, big dog, that's Canis Minor, Canis Minor, Canis Major. Who's also there? Pupus, the poop deck, which is where we get the word puppies. Literally, it comes from doll. I think it's French, la poupée, I think is what it is. Puppies. So you've got right in this area, and I'll show you this in just a second. We'll pan out. You've got puppies. You've got Canis Major. You've got a Canis Minor, and you've got... So you've got dogs, and you've got a table underneath there. So... So then there's bread that goes to the dogs that are under the table. Okay, so let's just once again pan out. We already know where we are. Once again, this is, Jesus is here. He's got, remember? Okay, so there's Cassiopeia, you see it? There's Andromeda up there, there's the mother, there's the daughter, there's Draco right there, you can see. Down at the bottom there, I can move it. Wrong way. There's Draco at the bottom there. So that's the northern. So this woman is at the northern talking to Jesus, right? And then where do they go? 
they go through that pole to the very southern part and what's there you can't see it there but that's Mensa that's right there what did we just talk about last time your the celestial sphere represents what you so when we go from the north to the south what is that that's your that's your cerebral spinal fluid that's your spinal column going from the north to the south what's happening in this story that there's Mensa there's the table what's the bread well we already know Virgo we, we answered that with the parable of the, or what did we answer? The, the eating 5,000, feeding 5,000. There's the bread. And where's the dogs? Pupus, Canis Major, Canis Minor. That is a constellational parable about what? The chrism going from the top to the bottom and back up again. Because what happened? She was made whole. We just did this whole thing, not a chapter or two ago. This whole area where they're pointing to, where the dogs are up there, this is actually known across across the world, and it's it's um, known in the Vatican as the Silver Gate and the Golden Gate. Okay, so right where those uh, it's hard to see right there. You can't see. There's Canis. My see Winter Hexagon at the top there. Where this is the Silver Gate. They were just pointing to this area in the stars, right, with Tyre and Sidon. The hexagon, six around one, pi is in there, pointing to what? Orion and Gemini, Tyre and Sidon. What's right there? The constellations that we're dealing with. Canis, Mi Canis Minor, Canis Major is right there. The Silver Gate is considered the place where souls would enter and leave Earth. Silver and Golden Gate. To the power to bind and loose on earth and in heaven is what those those gates are. So the silver gate is literally pretty much right in the middle of the winter hexagon, and then the golden gate is Scorpio Sagittarius. Once again, the Scorpio, that's the belly. It's the, it's the belly of the Milky Way, if you will. Um, this We did the Cherokee story of creation. We're going to do the Ojibwe pretty soon here. The Cherokee story of creation, guess what they did? There are two dogs in the path of the Milky Way, according to the Cherokees, and that they guard the path to the land of souls. To get past the dogs, once you bring food, like bread, be warned if you give food to the first dog, he will let you pass. But if you fail to save some food for the second dog, you'll be trapped between them forever. <laughs> for some reason, the Cherokee had the exact same idea about souls entering and leaving Earth as these Christians did. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening here. But uh... So there's your dogs eating the crumbs which fall from the master's table. There's the whole thing. Daughter was made whole. Okay. Now, by the way, this table is it was on Table Mountain, right? I don't know. If, let me go back here. It's um though it originally commemorated Table Mountain. Okay, and this this table. Well, where was the Mensa table? It's it's in the literally right by the Southern Celestial Pole, which is what your World Tree, your 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 Axis Mundi. This is exactly what we've been talking about. Going up from that north to the south, the whole bit. Culture after culture after culture after culture after culture saying the exact same shit. Here's your mountain. Table Mountain. So, again, okay. Let's march on. 1529, and Jesus departed from thence and came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee and went up into a mountain. Huh, who'd have thunk? <laughs> they just gave you Table Mountain and the, the table, and now they're right there and talking about the mountain yet again. 
Where's the Sea of Galilee? Well, I'll show you that in just a second, okay? Where's the Sea of Galilee? First off, let's look. So this, once again, using the exact same patterns, different story. Here's, oh, here's the 153 draw of fish. Oh, there's that story. Oh, here's Jesus, um, you know, in the ship and he's talking to the disciples. Oh, here's that story. Oh, here's the lake of fire. Here's that story. Here's the Sea of Galilee. Here's that story. Same pattern of stars that they'll use again and again and again and again. What's the Sea of Galilee? Well, it's right there. There's Jesus's ship, which is Argo Navis. There's the couple fish, Volans and Dorado. There's Reticulum, which is a net there. This is Aradnus, which is, there's Hydrus, which is your delta, okay? You see Hydrus there? It's the end of that Aradnus River. We've talked about this before. It forms a delta, which is the Greek letter delta. It's where the river enters the water body. Water flow decelerates, sediments drop out, and a delta forms, a triangle that tapers out like that. And that's exactly what you have down there. See Hydrus? There's a radness, there's a river, it goes down, forms a delta. There's a sea there with some fish and a net and a, and a big ship. Okay? So Jesus is saying, he's, and which is right by the mountain, which is right by the center pole on the other side. And this is exactly where the story is saying here. Uh, Jesus departed from thence and came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee and went up into a mountain. Went nigh in the Sea of Galilee in the southern celestial pole, and then went, uh, went nigh up unto the mountain, up to the north, and sat down there. Let's look at Sea of Galilee. Let's break down this word, okay? Galilee is derived from the Hebrew word galal, galil, galil. I mean, I'm just probably saying that correct. Galil, which comes from the root to roll, and thus a circle. So let's just say if there's a ship down there, and then we're doing this and the Sea of Galilee is at the very bottom there. And then what's it called? It rolls like in a circle. It's like exactly what the stars do. Interesting. Galilee, Gal, comes from a very strong wind. It's a gale-forced wind. And Lee is the sheltered side of something, the side away from the wind. So when Jesus is talking about like, come unto me and you be sheltered from the wind, that sort of thing, we've covered this before. In fact, we just covered it. There's, oh, there was these fierce winds and they were going, you know, this other way. And then all of a sudden, I think it was Peter came and then he was protected because why? He came to the center, which is exactly where Christ is, correct? Yes. So Galilee is literally saying there's a very strong gale force wind that's going around to roll in a circle, Galal, and where is he? He's on the sheltered side of something, side away from that wind, because that's what, that's what Christ is all about, is protecting us from those boisterous winds. The Sea of Galilee is the lowest freshwater lake on earth. It's the lowest freshwater lake on earth. In other words, where would be the lowest place in the sky? Southern Celestial Pole? Second lowest lake in the world, but its main source is fed, um, the lake is fed partly by underground springs, but its main source is the Jordan River. What's the Jordan River? Jordan means to go down, to flow down, or to, to descend. That's what Jordan means. What is Aradness doing right there? That's a river. The river Aradness is flowing all the way from the north. In fact, I'll, I'll show you this. You know how we were just at this little section of the stars here? Where are we? Right here? There's your winter hexagon. Oh my God, I'd be a terrible weatherman. There's your winter hexagon there, right there. Sorry. Can you see Orion there? There's Orion. You see Aradnus? That's the river right there that goes from Orion that flows all the way down south to what? The lowest freshwater lake on earth where Jesus is sailing in a ship, the Sea of Galilee. 
the gale-forced winds that are whipping around in a circle. <clears throat> Sorry. But its main source is the Jordan River. Jordan means to flow down or to descend, and that's exactly what Aradnus is doing right into the Sea of Galilee. And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. First off, we already know. What, what does it mean when they're lame, they're blind, they're dumb, they're maimed, and many others? What does that mean? They were spiritually lost. They were spiritually unclean, and Jesus is going to come and cleanse them, right? They were lost, they were foul. They were dead, now they're raised up. We've, we've talked about this many, many times. Anytime the Bible mentions things like that, this is all a metaphor for spiritual rebirth. Cast them down at Jesus' feet. What is Jesus' feet? Well, we got to know our Zodiac man. we got to know our Zodiac man. Cast them down at Jesus' feet. What is, what is Jesus' feet? It's Pisces. In fact, they just mentioned this in the other chapter. Why are they mentioning Jesus' feet here? Well, apparently they're going to want you to focus on two fish. Correct? I mean, that would be a pretty reasonable you know, conclusion to draw from this. Cast them down at Jesus' feet. Okay. Two fish. We'll get back into that. And so much that the multitudes wondered... When they saw the dumb to speak, all of a sudden, well, these people became spiritually enlightened. The maimed to be whole, the lame to walk, and the blind to see. And they glorified the God of Israel. Okay? Once again, people will look at this. See, they're glorifying the God of the Jews. No, no, no. What is Israel, right? First off, um, this is one of the etymology that you can actually draw from this that people have mentioned before. Um... A accurate etymology of the Israel showing that Isis is a prefix for the Egyptian uh, goddess Isis. The middle term Ra, such as is found in Abraham, is code for the for Ra, the main Egyptian sun god. The suffix El refers to the offspring of a Canaanite creator god. So in etymology, Israel, which is Israel, Israel, right, is phonetically. The parts of the name Israel, is Israelites, etc., Followers of the Judaic religion, that's what is claimed, refers to the root meaning of the compound parts as referring to the Egyptian gods, Isis, Ra, and the Canaanite god, El. So when we talk about the god of Israel, right? Isis, Ra, and El, if we talk about El being Osiris, that's, a, that's the trinity. And why, why, if if that etymology is correct, right? If that's if that's you know if that's a legit, you know, legitimate connection or whatever, then why is a bunch of old Judaic shit referencing like Egyptian gods? Maybe because none of this is actually Jewish or the Trinity doesn't. Once again, the Trinity, when we talk about transcendental ideas, doesn't belong to anybody. Those dogs that were watching the Milky Way, that's not, there was no, those are not Cherokee dogs. Those are not Jewish dogs. Okay? Who, who owns the Trinity? God. So what is Isis Ra'el? So the God of Israel, what is the God of Israel? What is it? Let's use, let's use some English gematria here to guide us. What is Polaris? The center point in the heavens that overlooks the entire thing. What is it? Equals 24. How many, how many hours in a day? When the sun travels with that galal that's ro that's rolling around, how many hours? 24. Polaris, 24. Israel, 24. Earth, 24. So what what is the God of Israel? 
It's the Tetragrammaton, too. The word, the holy name of God, the Tetragrammaton, equals 26, of course. It's the God of Israel. And then, you know, it's interesting because the God of Israel, that's the, you know, uh, it looks like Pi 7, Pi 7 at the top there, doesn't it? Looks very Pi 7, Pi 7-ish. It does. Forget that. Yadhi Vavhi is the Tetragrammaton, Yahweh, right? God of Israel. Well, what does that tell you about? Yadhi Vavhi. Well, this is this is one thing that you'll come in, you know, you'll probably come across this, I don't know, maybe first year of studying esoterica if you actually, you know, do your, you know, study, you know, diligently. What is the tetragrammaton form? You. The, you know that you know that six around one thing. You know, it's like the whole creation was created six around one, and then they did the whole Sabbath thing to try to point to that, and then the Chi Rho points to that, and the like winter hexagon points to that, and Polaris itself is a represent representation of all the fact that why well, the God resides in here. And then what does the holy name of God? What does it form? A human being. Ah, uh, let's skip that. We don't need. Then Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude, because they continue with me now for three days, and I have nothing and, and have nothing to eat, and uh, and I will not send them away fasting, lest they faint in the way. Okay. Three days, once again, constantly referring to three days. Jonas, numerous, numerous times, three days. Why three days? There's math there. Okay? All of that math encoded in Lord Jesus Christ's name, and that's why his name is not Lord Yahuwashi. Okay. Um, once again, pretty damn. Once again, this is why I always have an issue with like, um, if we're gonna understand. No, no, no. What you got to understand your language before you start messing with it. That sort of thing, right? We don't want to go and change Jesus's name because it's crafted into Holy Scripture. So before you go and be like, yeah, Yahweh or yeah, or Yahuwashi or whatever. Yeah, Yahushua, whatever. There's a reason his name is Christ, Jesus Christ. And this is why. Because those three days, the numbers of those three days are encoded in his name. And what does that three days represent? Cosmically, that sun where it's dying and what? Resurrecting, which is what this whole thing is all about. It's all a metaphor for that, right? Um, five letters of Jesus times 27. Six letters of Christ times 32 is 25,920. How many seconds in three days? 259,200. It's multiplication of 10. Multiply Jesus, it's 4,320. How many minutes in three days? 4,320. How many hours in three days? 72. And what's Lord Jesus Christ? It's 72. <clears throat> he has compassion, by the way. Compassion, which is all what? Heart. Have nothing to eat while I send them away. 1533, and his disciples say unto him, Whence should we have so much bread in the wilderness as to fill so great a multitude? The wilderness, once again, we've talked about this. What are they referring to? Well, the stars. The wilderness is an uncultivated, uninhabited, and inhospitable region. What's, uh, what's uninhabited by human beings? The stars. Then... This, okay, then, then he gets into a geometric parable, okay? Now, he just said this. Let's go back here. Remember, he just said, he's like, hey, I'm going to, this person has said, and cast them down at Jesus' feet. 
at Jesus' feet. So we already know that once again, when we look at the Zodiac man, hey, they're referencing two fish in Pisces, correct? Okay, that's why we got to know our Zodiac man. Then this is what the next line is. And Jesus saith unto them, how many loaves have ye? And they said seven and a few little fishes. Now this is a reiter this is very much like the the thing that just happened what was the last chapter where he fed five thousand. Well he's not gonna feed five thousand this time. He's gonna feed four thousand. Why what's going on here? Well we'll explain this. Okay. So let's keep going. And he took the seven loaves and the fishes and gave thanks and break them and gave to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And 1537, and they did all eat, and they were filled, and they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets full. And they and they that did eat were not 5,000. There were 4,000 men besides women and children. Okay, so let's just take the basic pieces here. So it looks like everybody, all the disciples, the disciples, gave to the multitude, they took the seven loaves and a couple fishes, and they broke all that stuff up, and then they fed everybody, and everybody was happy and full, and there was about 4,000 people, not 5,000 this time, 4,000 people. <laughs> this is genius. 4,000 people that ate. Okay, well, they, we, they already gave us 5,000 just the last chapter, and we figured out where five, what 5,000 was. It was just multiplying one, one times two times three times four times five times six times seven was about 5,000, 5,040, and I'll show that in just a second again. But now there's 4,000 that are eating. So we can't just multiply seven and get the answer. So what's going on here? Well, what's going on here is this is a parable for squaring the circle. Okay? So let's first talk about what squaring the circle is. Squaring the circle, as you guys, many of you probably know, it's basically just finding um, the area of a circle that is equal to the area of a square or their circumference or perimeter of the square and circle to be approximately equal. And of course, it has to be approximate. You can't actually square the circle, right? And notice he's feeding approximately 4,000, approximately 5,000 people, correct? Okay. What squaring the circle is, is a merging of heaven and earth. That's what it is. Heaven is a circle, which is the metaphysical realms, incorruptible upstairs celestial and the earth is the square and that's the physical it's the corruptible it's the corruptible it's the you know terrestrial okay so ultimately that's what this whole thing is about this is genesis 1 1 in the beginning god created the heaven and the earth it's the merging of the circle and the square and we're going to see that this is what this parable is all about okay so the last time he fed five thousand people with seven with uh was five two fish and five loaves seven pieces total now and we found out one times two times three times four times five times six times seven is 5,040. And that's the parable that they just gave us. Once again, now they're giving us 4,000. What's going on here? Well, these are the measurements to square the circle. So there's telling you seven pieces, right? There's, this is the, one of the things is seven. They took the seven loaves and the fishes. So there's seven. And there's two, there are a couple of fishes, as we know. So multiplying one through seven, one, two, three, five, six, seven, multiply it, you get 5,040. So if we're squaring the circle, if you actually take the, the combined radii of a squared, the cir a, squared, a squared circle that is measured out to multiplying one through seven, 5,040, do you know what the radii of that circle will be? 
So the radii, basically, if you took the center of the circle all the way up to um, the top of the circle there and measure that out as 5,040, from the center of the circle to the top of that square, do you know what that measurement would be equal? 3,960. Or about 4,000. The last parable was about 5,000, correct? About 5,000 people. 5,040. Well, that's about 40 more than 5,000. Okay, cool. This time they said they fed about 4,000. What's 3,960? It's about 40 less than 4,000. 4, 40 more, 40 less. Okay, now do you know what the proportion of this height is to this base of this triangle that gives you those two measurements? 711. What did, what did we have to take to find this? Seven baskets full. They took seven loaves. So now we just multiply one through seven. We find what? 3,960 is the other measurement. And how many people? And they that did eat were 4,000 men, besides women and children. Why is this important? Because the parable also gives you the fishes, correct? It's like, uh, how many loaves you have? Seven. So multiplying one through seven gives you 5,040. The proportion of that triangle is seven to 11. The last chapter they told you about 5,000. This chapter they're telling you about four. And they've got a few little fishes. Why is the little fishes important? Because you know how you can create that, that fundamental triangle? With a few little fishes. Two Vesca Pisces. That's what you're looking at there, the Vesca Pisces, the two circles overlapping on each other's centers. A Vesca Pisces, a fish, within another fish, can actually create the fundamental triangle of the squared circle. Not only that, multiplying to seven gives you the two proportions which are exactly given to you in scripture. About 4,000, about 5,000. Why is this important? Well, I don't know. Might see Jesus in, <laughs> in this a bit, you know what I mean? Jesus might have something to do with that, that central fish. Considering the ictus fish is created from the Vesca Pisces. So, the Vesca Pisces the squared circle can be drawn with two Vesca Pisces. And this is R Randall Carlson actually drawing this. So as you can see, there's the center, the mandorla, the mandorla is what it's called. And so, and so, um, so there he's gonna, so he's got the one, the center of the fish there, right? And so you can see, you can see how this is done. So you know, everybody see that? So in other words, all you have to do is with a compass and a straight edge, draw two ictus fish, and it's going to give you the proportions of that squared circle. The what I like to say, the axiomatic triangle from the squared circle. So that scripture giving you unbelievably precise, you know, measurements in a, in a parable. 
And not only, not only that, giving you all the elements to actually square the circle. Now, you know when we talked about the fact that what is, what is the, you know, when I talked about understanding, you need to understand what you're standing under and understand what you're standing on, what's under what you're standing on. And that's the heaven and earth. Well, this is exactly how he ends this whole chapter with pointing to what? The squared circle, heaven and earth, the merging of the circle and the square. And the fish, that uh, the two fish that you can actually find, you know, create this whole thing. So, um, another interesting thing about this, and I've pointed out, out this before, this is how these sons of bitches, these giant piles of shit, these Satanists of the world, they actually use this to create the proportions of the earth and the moon. And so when I was originally getting into this, I thought that was really fascinating until I found out that the earth is flat and this is all lying. And then you find out that, holy shit, these people are not only are they lying to us about our cosmology and where we live and all that other stuff, but, but they are also using sacred geometry, stuff that you find coming out of the words of Jesus Christ, well, the mouth of Jesus Christ, from the words of Jesus Christ, you know, you, you find them using this to manipulate where we live. Sacred, you know, literally hallowed geometry. And they're using it, manipulating it, inverting it to create circular spherical ball earths. So what's the radii of the moon? It's 1,080 miles. What's the radii of the earth? It's roughly 3,960 miles combined to be 5,040. So there you have it. So that is your parable there. Hence why they fed 4,000 this time and not 5,000. Let's finish this off. 1539, and he sent away the multitude and took ship and came into the coast of Magdala. We're just going to end here. Magdala, um, Dala here, Magdala, the name meaning is uh, the Tower of El. Tower of El, which is the Tower of God. You can even see there, Migdal Tower, possibly the word El, God. Um, so what would be the Tower of God? What would be the mountain, the center pillar of God? That would be the tower of God, of course. That's where, you know, God is, the, the center, the top, the whole thing. Magdala, this is how, once again, this is how this chapter ends. It says, and he sent uh, and he sent away the multitude and took ship. Where's the ship? It's, once again, that's on the Argonavis at the bottom of the thing. And came into the coast of Magdala. Magdala, Dala, Magdala. This is also like Mandala, right? And the term Mandala literally means circle. And when it's broken up, its etymology and syllables unveils the word dala, which means to split. Okay? So it's like, in other words, a mandala is a man split. And what are what are mandalas? Mandalas are, of course, oop, sorry, that's Randall Carlson again. Mandalas are what? They're circles and squares. They're, they're squared circles. Which is literally exactly what, to the, to the T, the math, what we were just given. Okay? So, and... That is going to do it because if you want to get up to heaven, you got to get wings and you got to be a good bard. So hopefully the video worked. If not, it is what it is. So um, you didn't pass the basket around. They're, Will Gensky, they're mocking Jesus and us. Yes. Yes. That's the point. That's, that is the point. When they use sacred information that, in this sense, comes directly from God, correct? 
it's God made the circle, God made the square, God made squaring the circle, and they're using that to manipulate the, our, our very experience. It's just a whole new realm of Satanism. It's so sick, you know? And, well, why are they doing that? I don't know. Maybe because they're scribes and Pharisees. Okay, that's going to do it for me. Um, thank you all so much for everybody that stopped by today. And sorry for the internet issues. We have them. There's nothing we can do about it. Hopefully, we'll get that situated when we actually get down here to Missouri in the next few months or two. So if you'd like to become a good bird, you can become a good bird by becoming a subscribe star member. You can become a phoenix bird, an Aquila bird, a Cygnus bird, or you can become Tom and the Pete, my freaking bird. Um, yes, we didn't pass the basket around today, but if you would like to do any donations, we really appreciate it. Venmo... Buy me a coffee, Cash App, Subscribe Star, all of that sort of stuff. And we do have snail mail. Um, um, if we can, if, if we can get our internet to work, because we have Wi-Fi and there's, it has been terrible. The air quality has been awful, so there's nothing we can do. So, but we were going to do Tuesdays with Marty, and we will open some mail uh, Tuesdays with Marty donations. Um, Kevin McNally, N2550, Southview Court, Monroe, Wisconsin, 53566. Thank you to Content Safe, getting us on BitChute, um, Odyssey, Rumble. You guys rock. Thank you so much, Content Safe. Also, Flat Earth app. Get it. Get yourself that app. Sunday sermons are on there. It's the Flat Earth, Sun, Moon, and Zodiac app. Um, we are looking at t-shirts. If anybody, uh, we only got about 10, 12 people that were interested in t-shirts, so we're not sure if we're going to actually do it because we need we just need more people that would be interested. So if you are, let us know. If we can get another 10, 20 people, then we will order shirts and get that going. Um, the Gathering, Kuyama Valley, August 18th through the 21st. Please be there. If you're in the California area, stop by. It's going to be awesome. Amanda Vollmer just uh, joined. Aline uh, McCusick, Alex Zach, Kelly Brogan, Zuby, Melissa Sell, a bunch of really great people that are going to be there. And then as well, Flattoberfest, flattoberfest.com, October 21st and 22nd. Be there or be a squared circle. Jennifer, do we have any things that we need to... Oh, I see Bobby96. Here's to all the Gnostic Knights on the hero's journey making their way back home. Thank you for all you're doing to help us along the quest. Thank you, Perspective96. It's great to see you, my brother. Great stuff. Have a blessed Independence Day. Jerry D., thank you so much. I appreciate that. Did you send me something? I'm sorry. You did. Um, and thanks to anybody that has that has been supporting... Um, where did you send that? I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on here. Our internet's, it's not, there's nothing there. Um, that's, okay. Give me one second, hold on, I'm sorry. Did you send Telegram, no? It's not coming in. Can you send it to Marty Leeds, please? Um, thank you for did you guys enjoy that? Did it make sense? Yes. Six around one, formerly Flat Earth Pete. He knows what's up. Thunder Chicken, what's great? What's up? What's good to see you, brother? Um, okay. You sent it. Gmail. I don't know what's going on here. Okay. Thank you so much. Oh, yes. Uh, Daniel Hagar. Jeremy Hines. Thank you so much, Jeremy. Thank you so much, Daniel. Uh, Chad Anderson, Bruce Hutton, and there was um, Nancy as well. I, I think it was Nancy Nelson, I want to say, who um, I, I forgot to say thank you to. So thank you so much. Thanks to all the subscribe stars. We appreciate you. John Vina, thank you so much. Lisa Rose, we appreciate. Scott and Lisa Rose, greetings and gra uh, gratitude from Kabul. 
Kabul, nice. Andrew Mason at $10, another 10. Let's do it again. Thank you so much, Perspective96 and Jared Poole. Thank you so much. Much love and gratitude. Gratitude. Thank you so much. That keeps us going. That's the only way we can keep going. So, um, all right, that's going to do it for me, guys. I will see you next week. I think we're, like I said, we're going to step off Matthew, I think, for uh, a week or two and then get into some other goodies and then we'll get right back into it and... Um, We'll, we'll hammer it out, okay? And we'll finish the book of Matthew. And then, I don't know, apparently we're going to have to, if we keep going at this rate, we're going to have to get into the Quran and shit because we'll just finish the Bible. And then what are we going to do? So anyway, uh, all right, that's going to do it. Guys, thank you so much. I will uh, see you hopefully on, maybe not Tuesday because we're going to be traveling. I'm not sure what will happen. But if we can, maybe we'll get on for an hour at our campsite or something like that. If not, we will see you. Um, maybe we'll do a live stream before, before next Sunday or something like that since it's been a while. So... Mysteries TV, thank you so much. We appreciate that. If you can, I want to say one other thing. Um, thanks to uh, a few other things. Thanks to all the people that do support what we do here and that are, that do show up and and do buy books and and donate and things like that. It means so much to us. We like I said, we owe, we want to keep this going as long as we possibly can, and we can't do this without the support of the people. And it, this doesn't grow that that quickly you know it takes a lot to get people to show up here and actually pay attention so to the people that are it means so much to us thank you so much um we we really hope next year to do some sort of gathering on our property at our place and we'd love to see a bunch of you um like i said we're, we got you know parking and all that other stuff that we're trying to take care of because it would be awesome so and um, anybody that does purchase books and things like that, um, Scott Blair, thank you so much. I noticed that you, he's purchased his second set of books already or something like that. So that's what keeps us going. And um, we just really appreciate it. We feel very, very grateful to have even 120 people or whatever here show up and uh, pay attention and, you know, do Bible study every week. It's fantastic. So, okay, that's going to do it for me. Guys, thank you so much. Um, I will see you on the flip side. Be good to one another. Have a wonderful fourth. And yeah, we'll see you soon. Okay. As always, many blessings and much. Oh, no, 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 no. I got to do my end graphic. I got to do this right. May you always keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ onto eternal life. May his grace be with you all. Amen. I'm going to end every show with that. All right, that's going to do it for me, guys. As always, many blessings and much love to all.